Starting in three, two, one. Welcome. <coughs> Starting in three, <laughs> two, one. Set your phases to sexy. Welcome, loyal listeners, to another episode of True North Nerds. <laughs> this week, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Did we like it? Was Shia LaBeouf in it? Was he not in it? Keep Was listening it as and find out. As they're saying? Uh, and we'll also go through a couple like other little things that the crew has been doing for the last little while. Mm-hmm. Um, but first, we have Ryan. Hello. We have Kevin. Hi. And we have Jen. Hello. And I'm Brent, just in case you're new. Hi, Brent. Thank you. All right, Ryan. Yes. What's in the news this week? Not a hell of a lot. Might have been something to do with the fact that there was a long weekend and a like a national holiday both sides of the border. Yeah. Um, that's my guess. Well, but let's start with this one. Um, so I got excited and then disappointed. <laughs> okay. And that's it. <laughs> So, uh, we've all heard of that uh, new streaming television service, Pluto. Pluto TV, or whatever yeah. it is. Yep. Yes. Well, they announced they were going to have a 24-7 Godzilla channel. Ooh. And it was going on the air July 2nd. It's like, sweet. But not in Canada. Aw. Oh. Yes. Once again, Pluto disappoints me because they also... Available only in the U.S. and not in Canada, you know they you know they have an Xbox app so you can stream it through your Xbox and watch it on my TV. Not in Canada, I can't. So they get a big thumbs down today. Have you uh, sent them an email asking them if they are getting the uh, the Godzilla channel? Uh, no, I, I went on and looked and it wasn't there. And then everywhere I looked, there was a Reddit thread where there was people responding to the thing where it said, oh, Godzilla channel available. And then somebody's like, one of the first ones I saw, I was like, not in Canada it is. <laughs> like, oh. And a bunch of other people that were in the same boat, not happy about this. So, yeah. Um, oh, so before all that, before the long weekend even, um, there was a new trailer for the Futurama reboot or return or whatever they're calling it. Ooh. I think we all saw that, but it's, it's been so long. Season 10 is what they're calling it. <laughs> Yay! So it's coming to Hulu, Hulu in the States. I think I have no idea where we're going to be able to see it. Disney Plus. Is it? Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. It, it has been announced to be coming to Disney Plus. Yay! And it looks good. They have, like, I think it looks like they have an like, episode about the pandemic or their take on it and other fun stuff. 
And then uh, here, this one's for you, Brent. You, you, you've, I'm sure you've seen this one. Uh, so at the most recent WWE Premium Live event, because they're not pay-per-views anymore, they're Premium Live events. Uh, there was some nerdy homages. Zelina mm-hmm. uh, uh, Vega came out to the within her ring attire that paid homage to Dragon Ball Z's Dark Frieza. Okay, I'll take your word for that one. Yeah, that one I saw online. And Becky Lynch came out looking like an X-Men. She came out in a costume that looked like Siren's costume. Yeah, actually, hers was pretty legit. Like, yeah. it, it looked pretty close. Yeah, like, without, like, that weird much, yeah. cape wing thing that... Well, exactly, yeah. It pretty much looked like she just was wearing the exact same, like, onesie or whatever outfit that the character wears. Um, Zelina Vegas was more like a color and design homage. Yeah, I, I both have done that before. Um, oh, yeah. Zelina Vegas done it a couple times because she, she's a certified nerd. <laughs> <laughs> we know she likes her video games. Uh, I don't think they have the... A YouTube channel together anymore, but her and her husband, uh, Malachi Black in AEW, uh, did videos on occasion where they went like nerd shopping in their like sort of neighborhood. And uh, we know that they both are big into magic cards, so yeah, there's a lot of wrestlers nowadays that are uh, letting their geek flags fly cheaper than cocaine and hearts exploding. Well, that too. But I mean, just even in the ring attire, right? So. Yeah. Um, anybody else got any news? Because that's it for me. Uh, what about the news that Jennifer Garner is reported to be in Deadpool 3 as Elektra? Yeah. I didn't want to report on that yet because I keep seeing all kinds of reports of people returning for movies that don't. So until I see something a little more concrete or re- reputable sources, I that's why I didn't. I ignored it. Just like those reports that Hugh Jackman will be wearing the blue and gold Wolverine costume. Yeah, I think that's been debunked a little that bit. Because like, yeah. that comes from an image that di- like he supposedly tweeted and then deleted, but that never actually happened. Oh, I yeah. think it was the brown and gold costume that's been debunked and that he will be wearing the blue and gold in the movie. Yeah, the picture was the brown and gold. The one thing I saw was that showed that picture and it said, but it'll be blue and gold. And then there was supposed to be a picture of supposedly him in the costume leaked from the set. And But who knows? It's one of those, there's lots of reports. There's reports that there could be, there's supposed to be a new team of Illuminati that we had seen, like to, that were replacing the ones that got killed in, uh, in uh, Madness, in the Multiverse of Madness that they come across that are looking to get revenge for the team that was killed. And there's so much out there. It's until, yeah, until we get more concrete evidence of things from either sets, you know, set photos or, or trailers. So hear me out. This is my thought because I just know how the comedy in these Deadpool movies has been the last couple of times. The I have a sneaky suspicion that this is actually happening because the Hollywood Reporter is putting this out there. And there's also rumors that um, Ben Affleck might be showing up as Matt Murdock. Mm -hmm. So here is my guess is I have a sneaky suspicion we get uh, Deadpool going through the shitty Marvel multiverse. 
as a joke. Oh, so like, we, uh, like see... we get we get cameos of like all these characters. Like some will be like just him running through scenes from the actual movies, and others will be like legit like actors in costume, and it'll be kind of like a goofball breaking the fourth wall joke. A spoof on the multiverse. Yeah, like directly around like the the Doctor Strange uh uh sort of scenes. Like it'll be a take on that but uh, more of a joke. I don't think we'll get like a full fake Illuminati joke in it, but I I I feel that we will see a bunch of other characters. I and I will tell everybody this right now, if they manage to do Dolph Lundgren as the Punisher, I will stand up in the theater and cheer. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, There was even one report people speculating that maybe we'll get to see, um, oh shit, what's his name? He was supposed to do that Gambit movie. Channing Tatum, yeah. Yeah, did finally get a chance to dress as Gambit in one of these scenes. And again, if this is the idea that they're going with, I could I could see that. Yeah. Especially like if it's everybody kind of like having a little bit of fun and poking like a little bit of fun at this sort of stuff. I, I could definitely see it happening. So yeah. All right. I've, I've got one more piece of news. Yeah, go ahead. It's not good news for me specifically Uh-oh. and people who love my fandom. Uh, it has been confirmed that all Star Trek, with the exception of the current season of Strange New Worlds, will be leaving Crave by the end of July. Wow. Why? So, uh, well, uh, that's a good question. We don't know exactly why, but um, the trekmovie.com uh, reached out to Bell Media And a Bell spokesperson confirmed that our licensing agreement to deliver Star Trek titles on Crave has changed. However, CTV Sci-Fi continues to be the exclusive Canadian broadcast home of Star Trek. And this content will continue to live on on CTV.ca and the CTV app. So they confirmed that if you are subscribed to CTV Sci-Fi, you'll still have access to all episodes of Strange New Worlds, Discovery, Picard, Lower Decks, and Prodigy via the CTV app. But that means all legacy Star Trek is gone from Crave. The feeling among fans is, and the probability is, that Canada is the only territory in the world where Paramount Plus does not have Star Trek on their platform. Mm. So um, my guess is that it will all end up on Paramount Plus. Makes sense. Yeah, it does. It does, but that sucks because that means I need to subscribe to another streaming service now. It is pretty good from what I've heard. They have a lot of good stuff on there. Uh, Ed, Ed subscribes to it. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm sure I'll find stuff to watch on it. I wonder if that means that um, other there's other Paramount um, Paramount Plus product that ends up on Crave Two, specifically the RuPaul's Drag Race franchises. Uh, I don't know if those will end up moving as well. Right mm. now, all I've heard about is Star Trek. They probably have their own contracts, so whenever that contract is up, it'll probably be the same situation. I would assume. Yeah. 
Yeah, so it'll be interesting. Uh, but yeah, uh, so they will be showing the, right through the end of the new season of of Strange New Worlds, and that'll stay on the platform until the fall, apparently, and then it'll be gone from Crave. And then I'll have to think uh, hard about renewing my annual subscription to Crave. Mm-hmm. That sucks. All right. Any anybody got anything else? Nope. No, I'm good. Alrighty, so <laughs> I guess uh, we'll jump right into the movie review of Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, a movie that all of us saw at the same time for a change. <laughs> wow! Spoil- spoilers going forward, just so everybody is aware. Yep there there'll be a lot of spoilers. Mm-hmm. And um, a lot of Nazis getting punched in the face. Face. <laughs> uh, let's start with uh, Ryan. How did you feel about this movie? Of course, as I was going to get a mouthful of Kool Aid, you go to me. <laughs> um, I enjoyed it. I felt it was a nice return to the uh, Indiana Jones franchise. It was um, better than the last movie. Mm-hmm. It, uh, you know, it's not. My favorite, my favorite is still Last uh, Last Crusade, but uh, this at least feels more like those like the original trilogy of Indiana right. Jones movies, where yeah. you have a, a good adventure, you're punching Nazis, they're climbing through caves, there's traps, there's all kinds of cool stuff, there's a really cool car. Well, you can call it a car chase when one of the vehicles is like a three. It's like a what? Like, <laughs> A three-wheeler? Mm. <laughs> kind know, of a car chase. Whatever those things are called. It's a vehicle chase. Yes. Vehicles vehicle. are chasing each other. Yes, there you go. Um, yeah, no, uh, the, the the place and time that they put it into uh, was interesting. Uh, with the events surrounding it, like so in the, the, the ticker tape parade in New York, like you don't you don't see those anymore. You don't see that kind of stuff nowadays. So it was interesting to see that recreated mm-hmm. just on the amount of garbage on the ground from the ticker tape and getting, you know, pretty much need to shovel it off the sidewalks afterwards. So wouldn't do that nowadays. Um, nope. Yeah, no, I liked it. Okay. Uh, let's go with uh, Kevin. Um, I generally enjoyed this film too. Uh, but I I feel it suffers from one thing that a lot of modern films do, and that it's too fucking long. <laughs> uh, it, a summer popcorn movie should be ninety to um, ninety to two ninety minutes to two hours long. Two and a half hours is way too long for this kind of movie. Uh, like I said, I didn't. I'm not complaining about the plot or the or the acting or anything specific about the film. Just the length of it. And I'm sure they could have cut down all kinds of things from it it just felt long uh, i will give the special shout out to phoebe Wallerbridge. i did like her um performance as um indy's goddaughter um mm-hmm. did we ever really find out why they called her wombat no i think it was just a no. cute nickname yeah so maybe that's a mystery for the next film which i think will be called wombat shaw and the mystery of the Mayans. <laughs> but I think I like again. I thought it was fun, and 
Uh, it was just fun to to be back in that world. I, I got goosebumps when I heard the theme, and when we finally saw Travel by Red Line, uh, <laughs> I was like, yes, this is the actual Indiana Jones movie. So They traveled by map. Yep. They do. Yes, and I can attest that Kevin was excited when this happened. <laughs> so was Brent. I can attest to yeah, that. Yeah, I was very happy about it. <laughs> yes, I heard you from three seats over. <laughs> what can I say? I'm loud. Um, all right, which moves us to Jen. I, I really enjoyed it. It was uh, it was a very much an Indiana Jones movie, like the original trilogy. Um, I think that it did a good job of of kind of putting Indiana Jones in in his timeline, like where he would be at that point in time, older, retired, or retiring, um, kind of like missing the adventure of the old days, but, you know, having had dealt to deal with tragedy in his life. So I like that it, it really just continued his life and it gave him one last hurrah. Um, yeah, it was, it was a fun movie. I... I Got a little annoyed by parts of it, but uh, we'll get to that, I'm sure. And, but overall, overall, I would recommend going. It was it was an Indiana Jones movie. They're all they all take archaeology that three, five, six steps further into the crazy um, or bizarre or unknown. At one, at one point, I did turn to you and and ask how <laughs> how how much how we uh, how angry is your classics major uh, right now? Oh yeah, my classics major brain was very angry, um, but I feel like I'm getting better at putting that aside. The older I get, I'm more open to interpretations. But that also being said, I have five tabs open of history on my computer right now, so you guys are going to get an earful. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait. I want to know more about. The I battle. can't wait. I just can't wait. Is it the Battle of Sparta? Is, Is there a about? button to mute Ryan? Can I, can I, you, no, <laughs> dang it. Anyway, but what did Ryan you think? can be nice <laughs> since you guys have already had these arguments. I um, didn't say a single thing. I am being uh, already being accused of being not <laughs> nice and doing, and I, I already said I wasn't going to say a thing. <laughs> did I well, not? What, what did you All think, right. Brent? So, uh, I'm, a, I'm pretty much in line with Kevin's, uh, review i i rather liked it i thought it was a little too long i thought you could chase like cut a little bit out of the second chasing the one during the parade like mm -hmm. the, i think you could save some time there um i also kind of think maybe the the big battle thing at the end was stretched a little too long mm. like you could have tightened that up i think you could have easily cut out 20 minutes of this movie by just oh, yeah. tightening certain things up and doing stuff like that. Um, other than that, I liked it. Like, I liked it much more than I liked the last one. And I didn't hate Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. There's parts of it I don't like. And I think it's, like, a bit of a mess of a movie. But on a whole, it, it wasn't as terrible as some other movies. Um, that being said, I think I've only watched it twice. So take that for what you will. Yeah. Um, I thought the the one thing that I thought was amazing, but also a bit on the scary side, 
was the scene at the beginning. So the movie starts for our listeners uh, who may not be interested in seeing the movie at all. The movie starts with a flashback during Mm. World War II, and we see a de-aged Harrison Ford slash Indiana Jones. And it's amazing how this fast this technology is coming along. Like, I, I talked about it with a customer on Wednesday night that, like, we're going from, you know, like, uh, with deep fake and de-aging and stuff, we have, like, the completely sort of, like, faked uh, Peter Cushing Tarkin on an actor in Rogue One, right? Where it was like, oh, that's good, but you can totally tell it's not a real person. <laughs> to you, you go ahead a bit further to like uh michael douglas being de-aged in what is it ant-man and ant-man 2 mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. it looks pretty good but still like there's still like a little thing there to this where it's like something's a little weird with his hair <laughs> other than that it looks like harrison ford did probably like circa like temple of doom i would say well, plus there was like 75-year-old Harrison Ford voice coming out of 30-year-old Harrison Vo- Harrison Ford face. Yeah, so. but even that I didn't, didn't even bother, notice that, that. didn't even, like, thing, that didn't affect me He's too always much. had but, a really kind of a gruff voice, so, like, I didn't even notice it. But, <laughs> in, but in, like, soon, that's not going to be an issue either. Yeah. Like, that's, that's just a little thing. In compared to the the overall thing of this, which it, like it looked amazing, but it also like how long are we until we start seeing dead actors like giving like full performances like this? You know what right. I mean? It's, and, yep. uh, and his gruff voice can be explained by the world's strongest noose he had wrapped around his neck. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That yeah. that was a very tight noose. Well, also, world's strongest news slash world's strongest neck. <laughs> yeah. Like, yes. yeah. between the two. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, overall, I liked it. Like, it, it was good. I think, like, and some, I think this is also a movie where, like, you should see it on the big screen. Like, some, yeah. like, like maybe go on cheap night, I'd say. But, like definitely see it on the big screen for like all the chases and stuff like that are just they're so well done james mangold really the the one thing i'll say is james mangold the the director really managed to capture the feel of what we like in james bond movies i think honestly movies or indiana sorry indiana jones movies um like he really captured the feel of these indiana jones movies i think the like I think the only thing is, and I don't really blame him, is that for some reason, basically, I, I think it, it, you can put the blame at the feet of Lord of the Rings for the most part. Is mm. that like not that it's their fault, but it is their fault? Is now everybody feels that action movies have to be like nearly three hours long, like or big adventure parts. action movies. Yeah, which they do not need to be. You you yeah. can make a two hour movie. That's okay. Yep. Um. So uh, let's uh, let's talk it with with Jen a little bit, <laughs> and then uh, then we'll go into this. This movie brought up something that I want to talk about that might be a bigger discussion. So let, let's talk to Jen 
about the uh, the classics major in her. <laughs> All right, it's time for uh, uh, how bad? Like it, it? It wasn't that bad, was it? Really? Um, oh, you thought it was in terms of historical inaccuracy. <laughs> okay, here's a history lesson for everybody. Um, a brief one. I'm not going to go crazy. So, okay, so the Antikythera mechanism was found by sponge divers. That part was true. Um, that, okay. <laughs> yeah. That part where they're like, they go into and they, there's skeletons everywhere. And the shipwreck is just sitting there out in the open that you can free dive down to after being down there for over 2,000 years. No sediment on it. Hasn't been buried. Like, that drove me up the wall. Um, there should not be skeletons there. there. It should be buried. And, of course, they would have found the other half of the ship. It's not like archaeologists are going to go down to the first half and go, I wonder where the other half went. Not down this convenient cliff. I guess we should go back to the surface and never look at this again. doo dee doo doo Anyway. That bugged the hell out of me. So anyway, the Antikythera machine, uh, nobody really knows exactly what it does. So there's speculation because we've only found part of it. That part was also true. We only have discovered part of the mechanism. Um, what most scholars believe is that it is a mechanism for predicting astronomical movement. So the movement of um, the planets and uh uh, uh, eclipses, lunar and solar eclipses. Um, it was really good for measuring uh, those types of like lunar rotations and solar rotations. That's what they suspect it was for. And they suspect that they used it to predict things like uh, when the Olympic Games are going to take place. Um, so, But it also just... detected holes in the space-time continuum, didn't it? <laughs> oh, of course. So that's what it actually was. It was for for figuring out like the ancient greeks knew that when you looked up at the sky they were very good at astronomy they knew that some things moved and some things stayed fixed so they were able to measure the movement of the stars the, from those moving objects like planets as opposed to the stars that would stay fixed in the sky and would move as the rotation of the earth moved so that's what they think that device was for um there's not really any way to know for sure but that's what scholars suspect the Antikythera mechanism was used for. Now, moving on to Archimedes. Archimedes was, was from Syracuse. That part was correct. Uh, he did die in the siege of Syracuse. That part was correct. And he did create all sorts of really cool things to help defend the city. Um, time traveling dial was not one of them. Although I will say, from a... From the, the movie plot point, I thought that was actually really nice. I loved that. I really liked that if they were going to make this a time traveling device, it makes a lot of sense that the person who created the device would create it to bring people back to his most his greatest time <coughs> of need, which was help us uh, at the siege of Syracuse. So I really liked that point in the in the movie. I thought that was really cool because that that makes sense. Like, why would he make a time machine that would go anywhere when what he really needs is for people to come and help him where he is now. <laughs> so, right. anyway. Uh, it also is speculated that the uh, Antikythera mechanism was made, oh, probably about 100 to 150 years after Archimedes died. Oh. So, Archimedes did not make it. Well, 
again, this is we're talking about BCE, so it's really hard to pinpoint things. But Archimedes died uh, it during the siege, which was in about hang on, let me look it up on Wikipedia. It was about 212 uh, BCE was the siege. So he died there. And they are estimating that the Antikythera mechanism was created around 100 BCE. Um, and BCE time goes backwards. So it goes 200 is before 100. And then it goes up to zero. And zero is when we start counting forward. Um, the reason why it's attributed to Archimedes is because Cicero uh, mentioned something about Archimedes being brilliant and creating something similar to like this device. And so everybody, they put two and two together. Um, so yeah. That was the big thing. The siege of Syracuse did happen. Archimedes did create some really cool things like uh, the claw of Archimedes, which was basically like a trebuchet that would pick up almost like kind of like a trebuchet. It was like pick up ships and drop them. Um, there's also he was accredited with doing a heat ray, which I'm pretty sure Mythbusters uh, debunked, but basically yeah. having reflections. Um and I don't think he did Greek fire. I think that was before him. But there is Greek fire is a real thing. And I'm not sure who made it. But it was basically um, fire that can burn on water. <laughs> but he did like floating siege towers and grappling hooks. And so like he he invented a lot of super cool things. Archimedes was brilliant. But anyway, so the Antikythera device, real thing. They took pieces of it to put into the story, which was good. Um, and I think... I mean, so that was my classics brain being angry that they didn't put things historically accurate. But mm -hmm. it's a fantasy movie. Indiana Jones is fantasy. <laughs> so I really liked what they did with it, knowing what we know about it and what its possibilities were. If you were going to stretch it into the story into fantasy, I liked how they did it. Um, except for the minor things about like his skeleton is still there and, you know. I'm not a biologist, but I'm pretty sure after 2,000 years, your bones degrade. <laughs> I could be wrong. If they're not mummified and properly preserved, I could be wrong. Uh, but definitely under the water, the bones would be gone. Uh, yeah, I think that's it for my rant. <laughs> Interesting. Not that bad a rant. So that's my little history lesson. Um, there's a really good article I saw on uh, online uh, by Scientific American that goes into more details about what people think the Antikythera mechanism did. So if anybody's interested, just I googled Antikythera mechanism and you can find the Scientific American article. It's from January 2022 uh, magazine. Um, but we're still not 100% sure what it did. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's not really any way to know. But it's super so, cool. <laughs> so um, thank you, Jen. You're welcome. Yay, my degree pays off. <laughs> um, so I wanted to put this into like a little bit of a further discussion. And this was brought up by, I've talked to both Ryan and Jen about this, um, brought up by a article I read on the AV Club, mm -hmm. where um, they did a really good job. The article is called Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny Buries the Weekend Box Office, which is somehow disappointing. Dial of Destiny open to only 60 million where the flash falls even further. So this this was a an article that basically was stating that even though 
Indiana Jones was at the top of the box office the week it, that it opened. It was already starting to get the uh, headlines of like, ugh, a, a bomb. And it, it just, it put down in certain numbers too. Um, for instance, the so this is the week that it came out. And I'll, I'll, I'll this will dovetail into the next set of box office numbers. But um Indiana Jones was number one at the box office with 60 million. I think that's domestic. Uh, number two was across the Spider-Verse. That was at uh, 11.5, which okay. is after like five weeks. So it's uh, it's up to like at the time was up to around 339 million. Um, Elemental was had uh, 11.3. And that it had been out for three weeks, which uh, surprised me because I have heard nothing about that movie. I still want to see that. Um, wrapping up the top five was No Hard Feelings, Transformers Rise of the Beast. And here's an interesting uh, two. So there was them, Little Mermaid, uh, The Flash, which The Flash has yet to cross the 100 million mark yet. Mm. Um, Astro City. And finally, the the movie. Uh, now this is two weeks ago. the The tenth movie out of the top ten, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three. It's still in the top ten. It's still in the top ten, and I'm not sure, but it it should be heading to like I think it's available to watch digitally now. Like a, a rent. I don't think it's free on Disney Plus, but I think you can possibly rent it. Because I've seen a couple people with screenshots of watching them at home. Like you can now buy it on Apple TV, Google there you Play, go. Cineplex Store, Microsoft, yeah. YouTube, or Amazon. So that, like, that's saying something. The week before you can get it at home, it was still doing well. Which means it'll probably be one of the, the best like financial movies of the year in mm-hmm. those terms. Uh, now, go ahead. You're talking about Super Mario Brothers, right? No. Oh, Guardians of the Guardians. Sorry, <laughs> I just yeah, I was looking something up when you were. And I missed Super Mario the... definitely will be up there too at the end of the day. Well, right now it is number one this year. Yeah, for tickets uh, for box office uh, domestic box box office tw- for twenty twenty three, it is uh, has a gross of five hundred and seventy three million plus. It's the only movie to cross a billion dollars um, globally so far this year. Wow. It was good. And Guardians is three just behind uh, Spider-Verse for this year's uh, box office. Both of them at 357 million. Just the the hundred thousands that were, you know, it's not even a hundred thousand difference between them box office wise. The the problem is that I think that a a lot of these um, companies are expecting every single movie they release to be a blockbuster, to make billions and billions of dollars. And when it only they only make millions, which is probably less than, because movies are now more expensive to make as well, then they're considered flops and failures. I mean, even if they made close to what they, or, or surpassed what they did, they're not making billions. But I mean, yeah. if, it costs, if it costs you 300 and some odd million dollars to make a movie... You can't expect to make that back, especially like what Brent was saying, that theater runs are so short now. Uh-huh. Like, I think that they have a disjointed perception of, of reality. Um. <laughs> now, 
now to add to this so that was two weeks ago from this recording this week uh anyone wanted to without looking on google would anybody like to take a guess what number one at the box office is and it is not indiana jones it's spider-man no Mm. it is the fifth film and another movie that we can add to the pantheon of guess how many sequels this movie series has in the insidious series insidious the red door uh opened up with uh around 32 million this weekend i didn't even I, know there was one insidious movie i didn't know oh there yeah was five. There, there's a yeah, bunch I'm, of I'm with jen uh if you had told me to say what number movie this one was i said the first one yeah <laughs> and and the insidious series is like one of those ones that like spreads out like i it's there it it's like the avengers of horror movies or like the mcu of horror movies nice because it's um like uh, what else i think the nun is also part of this series and like the evil nun movie we figured that, and you didn't mean like. Yeah, I'm trying to remember if there if there's. Oh, I could be wrong. I I thought Annabelle and the the. Uh... Yeah, uh, apparently I'm wrong. Okay, I, I thought Annabelle and the Nun were part of the series too, but five movies. Um, now here's the thing, and and going by Wikipedia numbers as of the Sunday of this recording, uh. Box office for Insidious is $64.1 million. The budget, 16. See, that's yeah. not the kind of numbers that everybody's expecting, and they're expecting yeah. that on a $300-plus million movie. Now, that doesn't include, what's it called, P&L? It doesn't include, basically, marketing money is never included as part of the budgets. But to give you, like, a comparison... Uh, Indiana Jones uh, budget was somewhere between 250 and 300 million and it's almost at the 250 mark. So and like and this weekend it dropped around 50% at the box office. Still made 32 million but dropped about 50% in like domestic box office. I have a feeling that you're going to see some movies just sort of Maybe not be splashy number ones, but stick around for quite a while. I'm looking at the new Pixar movie, the numbers for the new Pixar movie right now on um, Box Office Mojo. So it, people are calling that movie a flop. It 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 came out the same weekend as, uh, what was it, a couple weeks ago, uh, Flash. Yeah. Um. So it made forty seven million dollars in its first week. But where most movies drop off by 60% after the first week, it only dropped 35%. And it's only dropped uh, 27 in week three. So it's dropped a bit, but it's still making over $20 million a week. Yeah. So I, I think like a movie like that could be a movie that just, just sort of sticks around in the top five for weeks and weeks, and it'll eventually maybe make its money back. Do you think studios start lengthening those to home release dates, or is that like a bridge crossed and burned at this point? I am. See, that's okay. the problem, especially with Disney and Pixar, is that they have conditioned people over the last few years to expect the new releases to be on Disney Plus very quickly. 
right? Mm -hmm. um, in fact, the last three Pixar movies came out direct to Disney Plus, mm -hmm. right? So I think that they're just they just have to retrain their audience. Okay, so you said that Insidious Five was sixteen million, and it's made sixty four. Uh, yes. Okay, so that's like four hundred. This is according to Wikipedia. So yeah, that's like a four hundred percent increase, like difference. Um, so what was um the Indiana Jones ones? How much did that cost? Three hundred and fifty. Yeah. And how much has it made so far? It's well, no, sorry, it's somewhere around two hundred and fifty to three hundred. So let's just say three hundred. Let's go high. Okay, so if it they are expecting a four hundred, if they're expecting the same kind of increase on a three hundred fifty million dollar movie, that movie needs to make, <laughs> um, well, what's that? One point four million? No, not more than billion. That. Billion. One point four billion dollars. In order to make the same amount that the uh, in the percentage wise that Insidious Five made, yeah, like that's not going to happen. No movie's going to make that much. <laughs> not when there's like seven other blockbuster movies that are are competing for the same profits. It's it's just it's not going to happen. Or yeah. you know, it has to be good. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, it has to be extremely good. They need to start going back to putting all their eggs in one basket and saying, this is going to be the blockbuster this summer. Not, we're going to release seven or eight movies and they'll all do mediocre. Now, third is... Eh, third this week is a little bit harder to judge. Um, uh, third this week is Sound of Freedom. Uh, don't be surprised if you haven't heard about it. It is a movie... Uh, loosely based i shall say around a you can't see my fingers but doing true story of, of tim ballard a former government agent works on a mission to rescue children from sex traffickers in columbia um this movie stars uh, our favorite, and I, you can also not see me do the quotation things, QAnon-believing uh, actor Jim Caviezel. Now, the, the reason why I say this one is a little weird to kind of judge, um, budget is somewhere around 14.5 to, 14 to $15 million. Box office this weekend was somewhere around 40 um, or like box office total. So it, because it got released on July 4th, it got released a couple days early, but, um, due to, uh, Jim Caviezel's, uh, shall we say interesting views on politics and religion. It's one of those movies that many churches are pre buying the tickets out and like kind of handing them out to get people to see sort of thing. Kind of like what uh, Kirk Cameron did, but with yeah. a better quality of movie. <laughs> mm. um, so, like, the money is still made. You can't take that away from it, but it's whether audiences are actually seeing it is the is a little bit of the question mark. Um, but uh, I, I kind of wonder with that... Uh, crap, we just mentioned it. The... Uh, what's it called? The... Oh, that that comedy with what's her face from uh, the Hunger Games? 
Oh. Uh. Yeah, the no hard I feelings. Know the no hard feelings. Yeah, yeah I I kind of wonder if that like much like what Kevin's saying about the Pixar movies, if that if that's a movie that will do well just by like hanging around, mm. and if that is going to be the start of us seeing maybe finally again more of those movies hit box office because they're cheaper to like theaters because they're cheaper to make because the last like I'd say like the last five six years those movies have been pretty much like streaming only like going straight to a netflix or a disney plus or mm-hmm. or uh a paramount like they're like they're the, that's the kind of thing that they like producing because they're good and cheap and get people the the stream stuff so uh, yeah i just I, wanted I, to bring that up as a as an idea i, I want to talk oh, about and, another another plot point from the actual film there were there were characters in this movie that I felt were being built up and then didn't go anywhere. Specifically for me, it was the um, the, the, the sort of the flock the Foxy Brown um, FBI agent. Oh uh, yeah, like, I liked her. I liked her too. She's working with the bad guys, but she doesn't know they're bad guys. And I felt we were going to get a turn from her and that she would end up working with Indy, yeah. but they just killed her. Uh, spoiler uh yeah. don't become attached to her uh like i don't i didn't understand the 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 even purpose of that character no i think that they they were trying to to really emphasize that the government was trying to work with the former nazi scientist by the way mags mickelson as a nazi was amazing mm-hmm. but i th- i think they were trying to just really emphasize that the government was on board with this within reason but then it went off the rails. But I also, it, yeah, you're right. It feels like it was going to be a completely other direction that the movie was going to go in. And then they're like, nope, we changed our mind. Now we're going this way. Yeah. I would have liked to have seen more from her. I liked her. I would have liked to, I would have liked her to have realized she was working with someone evil and she never got that chance. Yeah. Uh, it just, it, I, it just felt very quick. Yeah. And, yeah. Also the kid. What was the point of the kid? Teddy, Tenny, Tommy? Oh well, Indiana Jones movies always have a kid. Yeah, I was yeah. going to say that that gives her a um a, a, a sidekick. That gives her a short round if they spin her movie off. Yeah, she was really good. I I liked her um, as a character. Um, I, I was wondering because once they they basically killed off Shia LaBeouf, um, I liked that um, they found somebody else vaguely connected to Indy to kind of carry the, to take up the torch. Um, and also, yeah, now Shia Buff for sure is never coming back. He is dead. Yeah. I was <laughs> kind of suspicious of that before it was revealed because when we, that opening scene or early scene, uh, when we're in his apartment, you see a folded American flag on the mantle. Yeah, I saw that too. You only get those. Yeah, I didn't even catch that. Yeah, like that, that's a, that's a dead soldier flag, right? Yeah. So. But I, I mean, who? and I really also like that that's how they, they tied that tragedy into uh, how Indiana feels his life has gone downhill, right? How he's old and useless and retired. He doesn't have a kid anymore. His wife has left him. Like, he's really at the end. Um, and, and, like, through the whole movie, he doesn't really feel like he wants to be there. He's just trying to... I mean... 
it feels like he's trying to get, he wants to get the device back, but he also wants to protect his goddaughter who's he's neglected. But it doesn't really feel like that's the driving force for why he's there. Like, is he trying to recapture that old, like one last adventure or is he like, why does he go on this big long trip? Because everybody he knows and loves at home is either left him or is dead. Yeah. And he doesn't want the Nazis to go back in time and win World War Two. Yeah, there's that too. Yeah, but that's not going to happen. He I doesn't really know liked, that. I liked how um, when they were flying towards the rip, which was beautifully done, by the way, like that was good CG. Uh, when they were flying back in time, and he's like, "Continental drift." They didn't know about continental drift. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, that was. I like that plot point, that attempt to yeah. to him to get to get them to stop. Uh, that it wasn't even needed because the machine was only designed to go to one specific place, point in time, which I loved. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was nice. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I don't understand why they like they shot Indy and then they just decided to take him with them instead of leaving him in the tomb that nobody has found for two thousand years. That nobody probably will. Like they could have just left him there to die. <laughs> for a moment, I thought it was. Yeah. Like a for a minute there, I thought like he it, it was going to be revealed that he's the one in it's his body in the tomb, not Archimedes. Not Archimedes. Mm. But and to be honest, I'm glad they didn't do that. That would have been, I think, a, a scooch too far for me. Yeah. But uh, so overall. Uh, we all enjoyed this movie. Yeah, not amazing, but really solid. I'd give it like a six out of ten, three stars out of five. Well, I was going to say six out of ten. That that's only like fifty percent there, but it's three stars out of five, which would be over fifty percent. So exactly that one works. I don't know. Comparing it to the under other Indiana wait, 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 Jones wait, wait. movies, we're we just going to go over the. We're just going to bypass Brent's math there. Uh, yeah, I was. I was just gonna let Brent's math. Because uh, uh, Brent, I I know you went to school for writing and not math, yeah. but but six out of ten is not fifty percent. It's sixty percent. Yeah. Oh, I for I I don't know why my brain trans. Yeah, never mind. <laughs> I do math good. Three out of five sounds better than six out of ten for some reason. Yeah. I was just gonna let that go. Oh, I'm so- <laughs> I'd, I'd let Jen have her thing quietly. I couldn't I w- let that one pass. I was going to say, Ryan, you just needed to poke something. Yes. <laughs> and I'm going to let that one pass. <laughs> it's okay. I can edit it all out. Nobody will ever hear this. Um, as far as all the other Indiana Jones movies go, this is probably... Top five? Yeah. No, I was thinking... <laughs> So my favorite one is the one with the with the chalice. Is that the Last Crusade? Yeah. Yes. And then I don't know if I like this if if this one would be my second one or my third one. Because you don't particularly like Temple of Doom. I hate Temple of Doom. That's four. <laughs> Temple of Doom is four. Uh, the Crystal Skulls is five for sure. It's just the first one and this one are, are going back and forth. I have to watch them both again and see which one I like better. Yeah, no, Temple of Doom is I've got emotional damage from a ch- as from a child, yeah. and the Crystal Skull thing just pissed me off. Because <laughs> the thing is, <laughs> this is my last rant, I swear. The, the thing is, is that I can buy 
magic and time travel and all of that stuff because that's myth that's human mythology that's part of our legend it's part of our culture it's part of our history that we in the past invented these types of stories but when you're just writing it off as aliens that to me is lazy like that's just it that that's what really bugs me about that last one but, okay that's my last rant ancient aliens jen come on no no such thing people are really uh there's <clears throat> a guy on the history channel with really tall hair who would beg to differ yeah, you know, he should be on the History Channel. Oh, he people, is on the History Channel. People tend to think that because people, other people lived in a, a time that wasn't this one with computers and cars and and cell phones, that they think that people were stupid. But they weren't stupid. They were incredibly brilliant. Mm-hmm. Read all of the crap that Archimedes invented. like. But so the people don't understand that they could build something like the pyramids because they think that they Aliens. were dumb. So they think it was aliens because they're lazy. They don't have any faith in our ancestors. Just yeah. it grinds my gears. Yeah. <laughs> All righty. So um, that brings us to the end of the review. Um, oh, sorry, Ryan, you had something? No, I thought you were going to say that brings us to the end of the show. No, no. Well, Good, it, I was going to say no. I want to hear about your trip. Well, so does that screw up your geek pick, Jen? No, it's still going to be my geek pick. We can just talk about it in detail. Okay. So uh, three of us, because Ryan was working, uh, went to Museum of Toronto, which is a non not-for-profit uh, sort of small museum space that happens to be running a exhibit on the history of, like, children's television in Canada. Mr. Dress specifically up to Degrassi. Oh, that's right. Specifically Toronto, because there was a couple things that were not included. Yeah, it's called Mr. Dress Up to Degrassi, 42 Years of Legendary Toronto Kids TV. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, was, it was cool, and especially for free. I didn't mind yeah. it. Well, other than the expense of getting down there and all the food that we ate that day. <laughs> but... <laughs> and the things that we bought that yeah. weren't at the museum. But yeah, no, uh, I was really, really nice. I, loved I really it. enjoyed it. It's not so, a huge room. Uh, no, it was very small. I was just saying, was there anybody else there? Because it didn't look like the oh, yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, there were people okay. there. Yeah, not a ton. In a building no. that is full of arts uh, businesses. So there's other galleries, there's a dance studio and, you know, that kind of thing all inside this I, I think it was an old factory of some sort. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the room is an interesting it's an interesting shape, and they've uh, they've laid it out the best they can. There's lots of uh, in in addition to the actual artifacts that are there, like some of the puppets and things, there's lots of video screens. You can sit down and watch old episodes of these shows uh, from uh, from classic Mr. Dress ups and mm-hmm. original Canadian Sesame Streets right up to. Um, Degrassi so it was it was pretty cool and they they set it up in a way to make it really appealing to children as well so that people who are our age who are bringing their children to this there's things for the kids to do so like they had um, um, reproductions of Casey and Finnegan from uh, Mr. Dress Up that you could play with that Kevin and I did play with mm-hmm. um, <laughs> they had little like word games and they had like a puppet making station um, 
and and they had uh, all sorts of stuff like that. So that even if if you were a parent dragging your child to this exhibit and you were going for nostalgia, there was definitely other stuff there for children to do too, which we also did. <laughs> um, I rediscovered um, Read All About It, which is a show whose theme song I remember, but I completely couldn't remember what the show was. But I watched an episode of it and I'm like, this is why I like Doctor Who. <laughs> yeah. It's basically little kid Doctor Who that teaches them reading. <laughs> it was a it show. Was I, I remember that show from my youth. It was creepy. It's creepy, but I kind of love it. I should look up some more old episodes. So it was all sponsored by Retro Ontario, right? Yes. Yeah, it was good. Uh, they also had, I don't, Ryan, do you remember the Grogs? They were the puppets that were that the PJs used to interact with on YTV. Mm-hmm. On the zone, um, they had maybe, maybe if I saw them, I'd remember them. They but... were these crazy monster puppets. Oh, okay, uh, so they those pu- those actual puppets were there, and the other actual puppets from an old show that were there were the actual today's special, today's special puppets, Muffy and Sam, yeah, and the creepy lady who came later on in the show. Right, I think she was HR. I don't remember who. I don't remember. Yeah, who she was only much. there for like a season, by the sounds of it. Yeah, like by the the sound. I didn't remember her at all, but uh, I did. So looking at these puppets, do you remember uh, today's special at all, Ryan? Yes, I do. So remember the the Night Watchman, Sam Crenshaw. Yes. So we, uh, I think we all have warm and fuzzy feelings of him as a puppet. Mm-hmm. Yep. Still do. Uh, as an as an adult. I was a little creeped out to realize <laughs> he does not have eyes. He, he never does. had eyes. He no, he doesn't. Eyes. He has if... eye holes. He does not have eyeballs. No, he doesn't have eyeballs, but he does have eyes. But he has them like slanted in a way that he looks friendly and approachable. <laughs> anyway, I, you're not going to ruin that part of my childhood. <laughs> they also Stay- had... Um, they had, in addition to the videos that you could watch, they had uh, videos of, um, uh, like, interviews with, remember, PJ Phil? And um, what was the name of the lady who played, uh, who was on today's special? Noreen Virgin? Yeah, they had interviews with her. So you could watch, I don't know if it's part of a larger documentary, and if it is, I should have looked it up. But uh, you could watch those, too. It was really, really well done. Yeah. There's actually a couple like documentaries, like a side note, that are like we're getting to that age, I guess, where stuff gets made into documentaries. Mm-hmm. There's one about like the golden age of much music on its way. Oh, really? Oh, nice. Yeah, I, I've seen a couple trailers for it. I I think the idea is that it's going to be out for like TIFF. Maybe I could be wrong. Um, there's that, and um, a there's a uh, documentary about uh, the uh, CFNY The Edge, like the, the glory years of that as well that's being made right now. So. Uh, that old lady puppet from today's special, she was Mrs. Panny Packer. She ran the stock room. Oh, okay. Yeah, she was later in the, se- in the show, yeah. I think. Her motto is, I know where everything goes. And so <laughs> she knows everything in the store. Yep, there was a little bit about Degrassi too, um, which uh, for as an adult, I realized Degrassi is very much like the Friday the Thirteenth 
films. If you sin, you get punished for it. <laughs> I never watched Degrassi. Oh, Spike has sex with her boyfriend, gets pregnant, like, first time. Bam. I'll always That's how it happens, the episode isn't it? where the kid commits suicide in the bathroom. Yep. Um, Sebastian, the... I think his name was. And then yeah. there was the um, Degrassi movie after Degrassi. Oh I yeah, ended, that just like where Wheels had one beer and then gets then becomes a drunk driver and is paralyzed for the rest of his life. Which is also like tragic because his parents were killed by a drunk driver. Yeah. Eesh. Yeah, like it, it, like you sin in Degrassi on Degrassi Street, you get hammered for it. For instance, so I mentioned Spike, who uh, who gets pregnant and has a child. Um, they're the baby daddy of Spike's baby uh, does acid once and like jumps off of a bridge and ends up being brain damaged. <laughs> he he later comes back in what is it? What was the the follow up show? Next Generation, the one yep. that Drake was on. Yeah. So uh, because that show, the first couple seasons center around Spike's child, which makes sense, right? Yeah. Um. She always wonders whatever happened to her dad, and then she finds out, and it like he's like obviously messed up because he jumped off of a bridge and has brain damage. But he is also messed up because he ended up being played by another actor, Mr. Jonathan Torrens from Street Sense and John O'Vision. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. See, Degrassi the next generation ran for 20 years. Wow. Wow. Really? Wow. According to Wikipedia. 20 years or 20 seasons. Development. Maybe that's just time with development here. So uh, Degrassi The Next Generation ran from 2001 to 2015. And then Degrassi The Next Class was 2016 to 2017. So it ran for 17 years. Hmm. Yeah, no, I think it was too real for me. I I liked... uh... Escapism TV, not murder, apparently. <laughs> I don't think there was murders in Degrassi. Somebody can correct me about this. I don't recall that either. I preferred the Edison twins. Oh yeah, oh, I and that. there was I a there was a TV that showed clips from that too. Oh nice. Because I had completely forgotten about the Edison twins until that in the clip. neighborhood. Well, they're up the street and around the bend. They're called the Edison, the Edison twins. twins. <laughs> Love that show. It's amazing how many of those theme songs you remember too. Well, it's back when shows had theme songs that you always saw. They never cut them short. It was always yeah. there, and if you're you're a kid, so it's a song, it's catchy. You start singing along, and now it's core memories. Yep, yep. No two days are quite the same. Life is just a learning game, but if you use your head, you'll always win. Just like the Edison twins. <laughs> what was the idea behind that? They they were like super smart and helped solve crimes. Yeah, uh, they were they were like science kids, and yeah. And their little brother that would always, you know, mess things up or get into trouble or... Yeah. Not as smart as they were. Yeah. I'm just I, looking... I like I'm just seeing if those if those actors ever ended up doing anything else. <laughs> I want to say uh, Andrew Sabaston, who played the older brother, 
I I saw him in some other stuff, but I think. Oh he's... yeah, yeah, he's done some other things. Uh, just not like anything. Like he wasn't big in anything. Uh, he did a lot of voiceover work too, by yeah. the looks of it. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Looks like he's done a lot of writing too on kids TV. And uh, apparently the the uh, the sister, uh, Marnie McPhail, was on Sliders a bunch. Was it Sliders? I I knew it was one of those shows. I wanted to say it was X Files though. Hey, we're I close remember in time Sliders. Slot. Yep. I had the first season on Star of Trek. DVD. She was oh, in yeah? First Contact. She was in. Well, she was. Oh, she was in a video game. She was on an episode of Voyager. She was in First Contact. Good for her having a career. <laughs> she was in the straight-to-video sequel of Stir of Echoes. That's her last. Her last credit I see on Wikipedia. Yeah. Next week on Canadian <laughs> TV Talk, Danger uh, Bay. Uh, <laughs> Littlest Hobo. Beachcombers. Oh, oh speaking of Beachcombers, did, did we just see a spin-off uh, podcast? <laughs> I saw I saw some promo art, and I don't know if this is real or not, for Beachcombers, the animated series. Ooh. Uh, didn't they just recently do a sequel to Beachcombers? Uh, well, it was a while ago. There was like a okay. Beachcombers, the next generation. Uh, I'm looking this up now because you... Um, what uh so um, maybe because i found an article on cbc.ca that they're they're they were working on an animated series and but this was from like last october i thought you'd say april 1st no, October 5th, 20, uh, 2022. So, so uh, one of my very close friends used to be on the Beachcombers. She was a regular in the first season of the Beachcombers. Oh, man. It, it is. Uh, so I guess there's an update. So what you saw was from on July 7th, they uh, they officially announced the studio that's doing it. Which is a studio out of BC called Slap Happy Cartoons. Mm-hmm. So that's what really, I really hasn't really done anything that I recognize. Uh, there, its first season's going to be 13 30-minute episodes aimed at kids eight and up. So it's not going to be like the original Beachcombers. Mm. And uh, but the image that it shows. Looks like they're animating the original cast, including Bruno Gerusi. Yep. Oh, I'm down for this. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's a, we should get some Americans on. If we can find out where you can watch episodes of, like, Beachcombers and Danger Bay, get some American friends of ours to do reviews. Mm. And just watch them look at us like we're primitive weirdos. <laughs> well, we kind of are, aren't we? <laughs> yeah. All right. So that brings us to the end of this episode. 
Uh, highly recommend the, the museum if you are in the Toronto area mm-hmm. because like it's free. And yeah. You like if you're in Toronto, do that. Walk over to Bommy Boys, get a fried chicken bow. You're good for the day. Mm-hmm. That was yummy. We also went to Meeple Mart while we were we, there. Oh yeah, that actually that falls in our purview, doesn't it? Yes. Like that that is a super nerdy store. It's a giant gaming store with huge sections for board games and role uh, section for role playing games, a whole section of war gaming stuff. Uh, and they just added pinball. They were running a special for every ten dollars you spent, you got a token for their pinball section. So this guy's got four tokens to play pinball the next time he's in Toronto. <laughs> we also now, go, go ahead. ahead. No, no, go ahead. Uh, also hit up Sonic Boom, which is a good record store. Um, and I, while well, I didn't buy anything like regular, they had a machine that gave out random single singles for tokens. So uh, I spent eight bucks and I got a Billy Idol seven inch and a Pete Townsend seven inch. That's what I was going to ask. I wanted you to tell me about that. Oh, you can watch a video of it on our did. Uh, Facebook page. Yeah, and, uh, it was just a it was just a fun random little thing that we found. So, and to be honest, uh, I'll probably like if I go there and there's like I can't find a record which is in my affordability, I'll probably do the machine again because it's rather cheap. Yeah, and you get to push a button and there's flashing lights. Mm-hmm. Things what more spin. could you want? Music plays. Yeah. All righty. So, Geek Picks, who wants to go first? I've got a couple, if that's okay. One yes. is the game I picked up uh, at Meeple Mart. It's called Gloomhaven, uh, the Jaws of the Jaws of Hell, I think. Anyway, it's a very cool. Um, sort of sequential cooperative game where it's uh, you and your fellow players against the game. And it's a sort of a line, like a Dungeons and Dragons campaign type game. I watched videos on how the, how it works, even though it's got many thick rule books, I think it looks very simple and we need to have a games night soon so that we can play. Yay. Uh, The other thing I wanted to bring to people's attention is a new series of animated shorts that are on Disney plus. And it's called Kazazimoto Generation Fire. And the thing about these is that they were all made by African animation studios. Uh, And the theme of these 10 shorts is Afrofuturism. So if you want to get a glimpse of another culture and another storytelling style with some very cool um, both 2D and 3D animation... Um, I highly recommend checking it out. And these are these are shorts, unlike the like the Disney short circuit ones, which are all only a minute long, or even the Star Wars Visions ones, which are quite short. These run 15 to 20 minutes, 25 minutes. So they're like almost like half hour length. Uh, like you would watch one with if, if they had commercials, you would watch one at a time if they were released weekly. But they all dropped this week on Disney Plus, and they have um, the first episode that I I've only watched the first one. It's called Herder Boy, and it is about uh, this guy who wants to um, become a herder, uh, uh, and the they the 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 animals they herd are cyber cyborg cows. 
Uh, so they are like electric cows and yeah it's um and then a monster attacks and it's yeah it turns out that being a herder is a much more dangerous occupation than he thought it was but it's very cool so yeah uh yeah they're very cool very interesting and quite different so if you're looking for something very new to watch check out kazazimoto generation fire on disney plus do androids Milk Electric Cows, of course, being the little-known sequel to uh, mm. to Android's Dream of Electric Sheep. <laughs> Somebody out there will get it. And well they'll done. groan. All right. Uh, Jen. Um, so, my geek pick uh, is to go and see that exhibit we just talked about. Go and see uh, the 42 Years of Toronto Kids TV uh, we didn't really say where exactly it was. So it's at the Myzeum Toronto, which is at 401 Richmond Street West. It's right like Queen Street West and Spadina in Toronto. Um, it's only on until, where does it say? I think it, it's only on until like mid-August. I'm just trying to find the actual date, but I don't see it on here. Um, anyway, it's open Wednesdays to Saturdays, 12 p.m. to 6 p.m. Um, and you should definitely go see it. But kind of tying into the Afrofuturism that Kevin was talking about, I also listened to a really good episode of the podcast, Stuff You Should Know About Afrofuturism. So you should listen to the podcast and then watch the shorts on Disney Plus or vice versa. That's Brian. it. Brian. <laughs> uh, well, I guess my pick isn't super nerdy. Um, I just watched part one, and this is something I'll, well, first off, little rant. Um, I don't like this new thing that Netflix is doing where instead of dropping the whole season of their, of their new show, they drop like five episodes and call it part one mm. and then wait a month and then do, oh, here's part two and drop five more. They did it with the Witcher. And now they've also done it with the Lincoln Lawyer, mm. which I don't know if I've talked about the first season of that show or not before, but uh, in previous years. Uh, but season two just dropped this weekend on Netflix, and it's pretty good. It's a good uh, drama lawyer show. This guy is called the Lincoln Lawyer mostly because he works spends, works a lot of the time out of his Lincoln. Hence the name. Um, ah. There's a pretty good uh, case that he's involved in. It's a murder trial. Um, there's talk, you know, involving possible, you know, people trying to po- make po- doing podcasting about it and having ties to this case and um, other things going on. It's a really good show. Nev uh, Nev uh, Campbell plays one of his his first ex wife, and yeah. uh, she's. Has she plays um, a bigger part, I think, in the first season than she has in the second season so far. But uh, it's well acted, it's well done, um, and uh, you know, I like it's a kind type of show that I like. So I, that's what I've been watching this weekend. Cool, Brent. What's your pick? Uh, my pick is uh, I got a couple. So uh, first off, weird food history on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Absolutely awesome. Um, it just goes into the weird history of like, you know, like fast food chains and types of food, like Velveeta, for instance. And <laughs> that's uh, not real food. 
so it, it is, but like how it got like was created in the first place is kind of awesome. Um, it was a way to re so back in the day, uh, this cheese factory was sending out cheese and back in the back of like old timey trucks, right? Like when automobiles first got started, uh, suspension wasn't really a thing back then. So these cheese wheels would like break and crack and then they'd get sent back because you don't accept broken merchandise. So basically the, the owners of the factory went to their head cheese guy and went like, figure out something to do with all this leftover, like bits of cheese. And that was how Velveeta ended up being created. Um, the last one I watched was on the history of hamburger helper. Now, the people who write those episodes are hilarious. They yeah. did a really good job with that one. They're all, it's also very fun. Yeah. And it's like, it's on subjects that like we, we all know like a little bit about, like you've probably eaten at a, uh, a Taco Bell or a little Caesars. The Little Caesars one was also kind of fascinating. Um, and it confirmed what I had heard before that like the uh, the owner of Little Caesars had been paying Rosa Parks rent for like five or ten years of like the last years of her life. Mm. Like just like out of the goodness of his heart kind of thing. Just like and like basically been doing it without telling anybody until after she passed. It got, I guess word got out. So, yeah, that that's. uh Definitely one of them. Uh, I I would also say to to hit up the Mysium because it, it was fun. It's free, easy to do. And uh, the the other thing I've been uh, watching as of late and screwing up Ryan's watching of it is the latest Ooh. season of Dark Side of the Ring is out on. It's on Crave up here. What? I guess it was on Vice. It's on Vice. Yeah, which the Vice made <laughs> show and it's just Vice shows up on crave here yeah and i don't know how much longer vice is going to be around either so um it, it has been having some uh financial difficulties but uh it it's been a good season so far uh the the best episode so far would probably be i don't know maybe the first one about chris candido and sunny that one was pretty good mm. that's the only one i've watched so far yeah, that's, uh, there's been a, a break. There wasn't one out this week, but the next one's on Adrian Adonis. Yeah, wasn't there a Chris Benoit episode? Uh, that was season two. They did oh, a okay. two-parter on him. That's yeah. that's really good, but also like kind of disturbing yeah. for obvious reasons. Um, yeah, so oh. those are mine. My so picks. back to your first pick. Have you ever watched or heard of, there's a show, The the Food That that Built America? It's on the from the History Channel. I've heard mm -hmm. of it because it stars Adam Richman, the guy who did Man vs. Food, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's another one that's pretty well done. I've watched a few of those. It's one of those shows that sometimes comes on when I'm going to bed. So I'll, I'll watch part of it and be like, mm. oh, that's how they made nerds. Yeah. Or, oh, that's how they made um, soft ice like ice cream. That they yeah. Can... It's fun history with very little blood and guts involved. Yeah. Unless it's like, about Colonel Sanders, who got into gunfights. <laughs> I watched Taste the Nation with Padma Lakshmi. Oh. Um, and uh, it's, um, it's, uh, it's again, about the history of food, but it's more about the cultural, um, the cultural implications and various um, 
you know, she talks to various different ethnic groups around America. Interesting. I cool. find it really interesting. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. So we all like food documentaries. Yes. <laughs> so that's it for this week, except for Patreon shoutouts. Uh, at patreon.com slash true north nerds, you can donate $3 a month to help us pay for uh, some of the bills related to the show. And you know, like our hosting and uh, our theme song because we pay Kirby Crackle a license every year because we are not assholes. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I say this like with genuine love. Uh, we really like Kyle from Kirby Crackle. But I, I also think that if I didn't email him, he would never know that we're still using the song for our theme song. So it's <laughs> we're, we're just good about that. Um so yeah, patreon.com slash true north nerds. Uh we have started a uh Patreon only show. It will be on it will be coming once a month. No set schedule within that month, uh, but once a month, myself and Alex Kruger from the, the uh composers podcast sit down and talk about our nerdiness for music. So the first episode we put up for free on our general feed. If you want to get a like a feel for the show, I think it's pretty good. I like idea of what the rest of the episodes are going to sound like, and it uh, the first episode is on Canadian music that we feel that you should uh, give a listen to. Um, the next episode we haven't decided yet. We've got a spreadsheet going of all the things we want to kind of cover and talk about over the next year. So uh, I think we've got like seven episodes sort of sketched out we just actually have to pick which ones we're doing when so but if you like the first episode the only way to get the second episode will be to join the patreon three bucks gets you that i hope it's worth it <laughs> <laughs> and it helps really out our regular deal. show so uh, with that, the other thing you get for your $3 is a shout-out on our show. So uh, thanks go to Drew, Karina, RhinoVision, uh, the aforementioned Alex Kruger, who is also a patron, uh, Team Woods, who is kind enough to build the truenorthnerds.com website, which is a nice little landing page where you can find all our stuff. Uh, Mike Kamand, who does... Lots of 3D printing of cool things. At, you can, oh, I was just saying, his Instagram is Maple3D Printing. And um, on his Patreon, his own uh, Patreon that he's got going, one of his latest models was a, uh, a Psyduck watering can. <laughs> and finally, our good friend Rex, who we will see in two weeks, actually, because we are. Uh, all attending his uh, son, Boy Genius's wedding. Mm -hmm. So, um, and Rex, Rex is probably listening to this episode in between doing wedding stuff and like grumbling about whichever home improvement renovation project he is currently in the midst of. <laughs> so, just keep on at it, Rex. You're doing a good job. Don't hurt you yourself, go, Rex. please. Don't hurt yourself, yeah. <laughs> Which may have inadvertently caused him to hurt himself by laughing and falling off oh, of the ladder or something. In this case, that was Ryan's fault. Yes. <laughs> sue Ryan. Don't sue us. I have nothing. <laughs> That's true. 
<laughs> Ryan, you see, Ryan, you can maybe get yourself a Batmobile. <laughs> and you'll take my proton pack over my cold, dead body. <laughs> I'll haunt you with it. How Which ironic. would be slightly ironic. <laughs> exactly. Alrighty, uh, next episode, we shall be tackling, uh, I don't Something know. Something else. Yeah, there, there's a couple possibilities because uh, what the Barbie movie comes out. Woo! Um, I already but, have my tickets. Yeah, that is, but we may be recording before that due to the aforementioned wedding because I'll be mm-hmm, on the mm-hmm. Saturday. We could just record at the wedding. We could release oh, the wedding as a podcast. <laughs> We're not live podcasting the wedding. I, I, I'm sure... I'm sure Boy Genius's uh, wife to be would absolutely love that. Uh. <laughs> um, but yeah, so there's that, and something else comes out. Something, something fairly big. Oppenheimer. Uh, Oppenheimer and Barbie come out the same the yep. same day. Mission Impossible. Oh, maybe that's what I was thinking of was Mission Impossible. I think we should go and be like roving reporters on the street and be like. First question, have you seen any or all of the Mission Impossible movies? Second question, can you describe the plot of any or all of the Mission Impossible movies in detail? <laughs> I haven't seen a Mission Impossible movie since like one or two. <laughs> I've seen a bunch. I, I can't really tell you about any of them. But yeah, All I can really tell you is one is very different than the rest. Like, number one, if you sit down and watch it, and then you start watching the rest of them, and it's like, mm-hmm. it's, they're very different movies. Yeah. And and the director pedigree on all the movies is really good. Yeah. Because it's Brian De Palma did the first one. Uh, what's his name? Uh, John Woo did the second one. I know Brad Bird, the guy who did... Uh, Iron Giant and The Incredibles. I know he directed one of them. And Tom Cruise's stunts get, keep getting wilder and wilder. Oh, the the, uh, the honest trailer for the Mission Impossible series. One of them is like the the just like the audience playing chicken with Tom Cruise and his stunts, and until Tom Cruise actually dies. Yeah. No, like, I like the Mission Impossible movies. Don't get me wrong. I go see them and I have a good time, but I could not tell you the plot of any of them. Yeah. (laughs) So, okay. So, Brian De Palma directed the first one. John Woo directed the second one. J.J. Abrams, the third. Brad Bird directed Ghost Protocol. And then all of them since then have been directed by Christopher McQuarrie, who is a writer-director who's been... Uh, he is probably weirdly he's probably best known because he wrote uh, Usual Suspects, but he has been like one of Tom Cruise's like go to guys for a while. Like he he's the guy who also like wrote and directed Reacher and Mission Impossible Rogue Nation, Mission Impossible Fallout, Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part One, Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part Two. Uh, he was also part of the writing team on Valkyrie, Edge of Tomorrow, both Jack Reacher movies, The Mummy, the Tom Cruise, The Mummy, and Top Gun Maverick. 
Like it, it's good to apparently get into Tom Cruise business. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, uh, oh, holy crap! <laughs> Sorry, I've now fallen down a Mission Impossible hole. I just found out that Robert Town uh, was one of the screenwriters on Mission Impossible One and Two. That's the guy who wrote Chinatown. Wow. Yeah, wow. he's a good screenwriter. <laughs> I, another guy who worked with Tom Cruise a lot because he also wrote Days of Thunder. Anyways, uh, we are done. Have yourselves a good day or night or whenever it is that you are uh, listening to this. And we will talk to you in two weeks. See Bye. ya. Bye. Obamaste. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the True North Nerds. You can find us at truenorthnerds.com or on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at truenorthnerds. To contact one or any of the nerds, you can email them at truenorthnerds at gmail.com. Theme music provided by Kirby Crackle. You can find more of their music at kirbycracklemusic.com. If you like this show, please go to your podcast app of choice and rate and review us. Set your phasers to sexy